The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the last episode of Privacy Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we've been doing a deep dive into a subject that's critically important to marketers in every industry, business, and channel of marketing, privacy. For those of you who've missed the last few episodes, if you're just catching up, each day this week, we've published an episode that covers how you can better understand the appropriate ways to use data and target your customers. Joining us for Privacy Week is Casey Chappelle, who's a world-renowned online privacy advocate and a data protection officer for GoCardless. Casey has worked as part of the in-house legal counsel for large enterprises, including eBay, Vodafone, and American Express Global Business Travel. She has a wealth of information related to data capture and privacy, and we're excited to have her here. So far this week, Casey has walked us through some general rules for understanding privacy, what you need to know related to data capture, what are the rules for email marketing, and what you can do in terms of online advertising. And today we're going to talk about what are the repercussions when you break the law related to privacy. Here's the last installment of our interview with Casey Chappelle from Go Cardless. Casey, it's great to have you back. The finish line is near. It's almost the end of Privacy Week. Oh, that's kind of sad, Ben, but it's good to be here. It's been fantastic to catch up. And I feel like one of the things that I want to talk about first before we get into the repercussions, a lot of our conversations from marketer to lawyer are, here's what the law is, And then the marketer says, okay, but here's what the tools do. And here's how I upload the information. And there's a lot of gray area in between what you can and can't do. Is it me or is this stuff complicated and not very clear? You could almost think of that as a feature and not a bug. It's supposed to be complicated and not very clear because the law isn't going to give you the answer to every single possible circumstance. The law is going to tell you some guardrails. It's going to tell you... What are the general principles you need to understand? And then it's up to you as a company to make decisions about how your specific circumstances fit within those general principles. So we've talked about a couple of those principles throughout the week, and I will try to summarize some of them. First off, you've mentioned it. I've said it as the closing to our last episode. The hard and fast rule for privacy and data protection is don't be creepy. 
And the underlying rules behind that are tell your prospects and customers when you're capturing their data, tell them what you're capturing, tell them how you're going to use it, and tell them how long you need it, and have a reasonable business case for having that information. Did I miss anything there in terms of the general rules of privacy? No, that sounds pretty good. Great. So we've set a baseline for what you need to know in terms of high-level rules for privacy. Now, what happens when you break the rules? What happens when you break the law? Well, like with all gray areas, you can come too close to the opposite edge of the line, right? And then you're fully in the black and not in the white. When that happens, it really depends on the legal regime. There are nuances to enforcement across different countries. In the US, for example, you're going to have the FTC as a very activist regulator. Now they're going to step in when there's a circumstance that sets a precedent that they want to set. So they're going to pull out the big guns when you've done something really wrong, when there's broad or widespread malfeasance, or when something is really high profile. That's not going to be the case. When you Facebooked. Exactly, right? That's not going to be the case for most marketing activity. I'm sorry to everybody that works at Facebook for turning you into a verb. And for my friends that work there, it's a wonderful company. For the record, I'm an investor. I believe in Facebook. I'm just trying to be funny. Well, but Facebook is a useful tool in the arsenal for people like me, because there are so many cautionary tales that come out of it. I don't know if you remember, I used to use Facebook Beacon as the cautionary tale at eBay, and I continue to use that. There are lots of examples of where Facebook operated in the gray area and got it wrong. And for most of my career, the response from certainly people on the product side have been, well, obviously they're getting away with it. And my response has always been, they're not entirely getting away with it. They're paying the price in a lack of trust. They're now paying the price in higher scrutiny. And recently they've been paying the price in some pretty spectacular fines. Both Facebook and Google have been subject to some of the biggest enforcements in privacy in history. These have been driven by the FTC on the US side, and they've been driven by primarily the competition authorities in the EU. And that's because until just recently, there were not heavy fines associated with violations of data protection law. Now, GDPR totally changed that equation. GDPR can impose up to 4% of total global turnover as a penalty for violating it. Okay, so 4% of total global turnover. First off, what's a turnover? This hasn't actually been put into effect yet. This is linked to revenue, but we haven't really had any good enforcement cases in effect yet. So we're not entirely sure what the calculation is going to be that goes into that. I also think that if the penalty that you're focused on is regulatory fines, you're missing the biggest risk Mm -hmm. because most marketers also aren't going to see the impact of the highest level of fines. The EU continues to be reliant on the enforcement activities of member state data protection authorities who are in large part overstretched, under-resourced, and they're going to be doing the same thing the FTC does. They're going to be looking for the cases that have the highest impact. Yeah, they're resource constrained just like any other entity, and they're going to look for the biggest culprits or the highest visibility ones so other marketers understand that there is a repercussion to breaking the law. Exactly. Now, what you are going to see happen, though, is what's happening in the US, for example, class action lawsuits and naming and shaming. There's a lot of activity from privacy advocates in the space. Companies that get it wrong, you know, they're going to get a little bit of a spotlight shined on them. In the EU, there is now the ability for privacy advocates to bring class action lawsuits. There has not been a culture of class actions over here in the past. And that's where you're going to see a lot of activity. 
You're going to see some of the same privacy advocates that, for example, protested against the form behavioral targeting activities here in the UK, the ones who protested against Facebook's use of the safe harbor and got the safe harbor invalidated. There's a lot of activity over here in that space, and the GDPR gives them new powers. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. What was the safe harbor that was invalidated? This is really going to get into the weeds. The safe harbor was a mechanism that allowed you to transfer personal data Mm -hmm. from the EU to entities in the US. The GDPR and the Data Protection Directive before it had obligations to minimize the transfer of data outside of the EU. You could only send it to foreign countries if those countries could provide the same level of protection as the EU. It's the underground railroad of data. (laughs) It's a way to make sure that EU protections continue to apply to data even when it's transferred outside of the EU. Okay. Now, the safe harbor was the way that a lot of companies operating in the US allowed for that transfer to happen. There was an Austrian law student who brought a case against Facebook in Ireland that went all the way up to the European Court of Justice and invalidated the safe harbor, which meant that companies like mine that were transferring data to operating entities outside of the EU had to struggle to find alternative mechanisms to continue to allow that transfer without creating business disruption. It was a huge deal in my industry and for a lot of companies. Now, those advocates have new powers. So that's what we have to worry about more. So essentially what I'm hearing is, A, there are regulatory powers that if you are a highly visible or a ruthless lawbreaker, they can essentially come and hit you with fines up to 4% of your operating revenue which is a huge mark. Regardless of how that's calculated, it's going to be big. Basically, 4% of something is what you can be fined, which is meaningful. It's not 50%, but it's meaningful, mostly if you're an enterprise-level company. 
The other thing that comes to mind is, you know, Facebook has obviously had some data protection issues. They've sort of been highlighted as a platform that can be taken advantage of. And they had a 20% drop in their stock this quarter, the same quarter that Mark Zuckerberg was in front of Congress. And to me, I don't think that that's an accident. I think that having all of the privacy and data protection issues that they've seen showed up in their bottom line, not in the fines, but in the public opinion and in their ability to drive revenue because people soured on the platform. So the impact that it had on their brand reputation ended up having a bigger impact than any of the regulatory powers can find them. Absolutely. When I was at Vodafone, we used to talk about the Daily Mail test, which was essentially, is this an activity that you want to see on the cover of the Daily Mail? It's this tabloid newspaper. It's very alarmist, very extremist. The supermarket here, Tesco, had a Daily Mail cover story about their use of their loyalty program data and how they were selling that to third parties. And that's another great cautionary tale that I've used. The impact on brand, the impact on reputation, you can't put a figure on that. And when it's gone, it's gone. A good reputation for good privacy practices is money in the bank when it comes to this stuff. A bad reputation can sink you. 20% of Facebook's value is a significant drop. Even Facebook is no longer getting away with it. And sorry, Facebook, for picking on you. I have some good friends there too. I think one of the other things to keep in mind, particularly when you're operating in a B2B space, is that it's not the regulators who are going to be your harshest critics or your biggest watchdogs. It's your clients. Because there's another part of the GDPR that requires companies to exercise oversight over the third parties that they work with. And what that means is that there's a lot more due diligence that's being exercised. So if you're working with other companies, they're going to be expecting you to have your story straight. At the end of the day, I think for marketers who are listening to this and have spent all week listening to privacy, this is not something that shows up in our KPIs. Our job is to build a brand. Our job is to get awareness, drive engagement, create revenue. But there is the risk that if you behave badly and you do take advantage of people's privacies, if you take advantage of your customers, the repercussions far outweigh the benefits. So again, Casey, what was the tagline? What was rule number one related to privacy? Rule number one was don't be creepy. Okay, so don't be creepy. Tell people what data you're collecting. Tell them how you're going to use it. Get consent when it's being used. We've gone through lots of detail about email marketing, what's appropriate about online advertising. I hope you've enjoyed Privacy Week. And at the end of the day, keep your customers' best interests at heart and let them know what data you're collecting and how you're collecting it. And that wraps up Privacy Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Casey for joining us. If you've enjoyed Privacy Week and you'd like to hear us discuss other media topics related to marketing and technology, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us next week. If you can't wait until our next episode and you want to learn more about Casey or Go Cardless, click on the link in our bio or go to gocardless.com. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, we want to thank you for being a member of our community. You can contact us if you ever have questions, comments, if you'd like to talk to any of our guests by clicking the Contact Us link in our show notes, or you can visit our website, which is martechpod.com. You can also find links to our social networking accounts, or you can search Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, at any of your social networks. 
If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got a bunch of great episodes lined up over the next few weeks. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back with you next week. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you again, Casey Chappelle from Go Cardless for joining us for Privacy Week. And my advice, until next time, don't be creepy and just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.